are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back, Ranger fans and Blackhawk fans. We've got a very special crossover edition for you guys here today. This is John Chick with Locked On New York Rangers, joined by Jack Bushman of Locked On Chicago Blackhawks. Jack, how are we doing today, buddy? John, I'm doing all right. Can't complain. Uh, news is finally starting to slow down a little bit here in the Chicagoland area. It's been a chaotic last month or so. Uh, it seems like every day something new is coming out, and most of it not good, unfortunately. Obviously, the trades of Alex Dabrinkit. Uh, there, there's just been a lot going on, so it's nice to finally have things slow down a little bit and uh, to enjoy the summer. I actually just got back from vacation, so yeah, a little little relaxing. Um, it's been has been nice for sure. How have you been? Uh, doing great, man. You know, just kind of keeping tabs on the Rangers here, and uh, you know, to your point, I guess things have slowed down a little, but things never really slow down too much in the NHL calendar. You know, there's there's always something going on, and um, you know, one of the things as far as your team is concerned. Uh, something that I think is a storyline that's going to persist probably uh, right through the regular season, right up to the trade deadline. Uh, Patrick Kane, you know, obviously the Blackhawks have kind of undergone a makeover here and Kane's entering the last year of his deal. He's got the full no move clause, but I'm just wondering, man, because, you know, with, with Ranger fans, uh, they always get really excited about, you know, any potential, uh, you know, trade target or free agent target, whatever it might be. Uh, how do you see things playing out between Patrick Kane and the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, could he be dealt before the season? Maybe they hang on to him to the deadline or uh, just any thoughts there? Yeah. Um, regardless of what's going to happen, for sure, as sad as it is, all signs are starting to point to Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves probably not coming back to the Blackhawks once their contract expires at the end of the season. Uh, as far as it happening this offseason, I think – that's probably a little bit unlikely. I think there's a couple things that go into that. Um, one, we've heard from both Kane and Taze's agent, who they have the same agent actually, that um, after all these moves went down, you know, a lot of beat writers and reporters wanted to get, you know, an update on Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane's status. Obviously, those two both have full no movement clauses. So until their contract expires, they can't go anywhere unless they want to. So a lot of people were curious how they would feel about that and whether or not the moves that the Blackhawks had made would affect their decision. And basically what their agent said was they're going to take some time to kind of mull all of this over, let the dust settle a little bit, not make any knee-jerk reactions and kind of take some time to kind of fully comprehend what's going on here in Chicago. They also have recently had conversations with both new head coach Luke Richardson and Kyle Davidson. They're staying. Um, it's a very open dialogue that's happening between the front office and those two, as it should be. Franchise icons have done so much for the city and the organization, obviously. They deserve that respect. So it's nice to hear that they and Kyle Davidson are having this open communication, but it, it sounds like nothing is going to be happening this offseason, if I had to guess. Now, as you already said a moment ago, in the world of the NHL, you know, things can happen at any given moment, and there really isn't any slow days. There's always a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, but I still would be pretty shocked if something were to happen this summer. Um, I also think part of it is given that they are franchise icons and they're both going to have their numbers retired whenever they decide to call it quits for their careers. I think it's also a good opportunity this year to give them 
kind of a farewell tour, if you will, with the Blackhawks organization. And also given that the team on the ice is going to be pretty dreadful, it's probably a good way to get some more folks inside the United Center. Hey, come on down to the UC. It could be the last time you see Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tays playing a Blackhawks sweater. So um, that's part of it too. And then also one thing that does kind of play a part here, I don't know how sincere this is, but Kyle Davidson, while, while the focus of this team now is solely about young players building up the prospect pool, thinking four to five years down the road. He does recognize that you can't just have a team of all young kids and expect things to work out. Like at some point you're going to need to have veterans in there. And he's talked about how he would like to have Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves around to kind of help guide those players in the next wave of Blackhawks to the NHL level and help them, you know, on their journeys to become professionals. So, you know, I think that's probably not going to be the case long-term, but it is something to keep in mind that, you know, there is maybe a sliver of hope. It doesn't look good for sure, but um, I would say the trade deadline is probably the most likely situation for both of them to get dealt. Like I said, it fills a couple of needs for the Blackhawks. They still need to put out a lineup next year. Like you trade Taves and Kane. I mean, we're getting really thin at that point. Uh, so yeah, I would have to say that nothing's probably going to come of it this summer, but as we start getting closer to the turn of the calendar and the trade deadline approaching in the spring, that's when I think the talks are really going to ramp ramp up, John. That makes sense to me. And, you know, you made a point there that's kind of similar to something that I said a couple seasons ago, because, uh, you know, the Rangers, they were going through this massive rebuild. They were getting toward the trade deadline and Chris Kreider was in the final year of his contract. And I was always kind of, uh, you know, I, I saw both sides of it. But I was always kind of in the uh, camp of, you know, keeping Chris Kreider with the New York Rangers. And part of the reason for that is exactly what you just said, Jack. I mean, you need a couple of veterans in there. It can't be an entire roster of players who are 23 years old and younger. I mean, a rebuild is one thing, but you need a couple of veterans to guide the way. And obviously, you know, with, with uh, Kane and with Taze, you got a couple of uh, three-time Stanley Cup champions there. Um, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, the trade deadline is a more likely time for one or both of them to be dealt. Um, just, and, and, you know, you don't have a crystal ball or anything, but, uh, do you think that if the Blackhawks do struggle as most people think they will, that the two of them would waive that no move clause and go somewhere else? Or do you think they would really rather just kind of play out the season in Chicago and then just take it from there in the off season? I think it's, you know, it obviously is tough to say at this point. Um, one thing I will say, Jonathan Taves seems far more likely to be dealt than Patrick Kane is now. I'm sure Kaner's not exactly thrilled with the organization trading Alex to and, you know, trading another line mate of his that he's had a ton of success with. I, I don't need to talk to you about Artemi Panarin and what he and Patrick Kane did back in the day, but that's also been a common theme, unfortunately, for Patrick Kane. Whenever he has success with someone or builds a close relationship with a player, the Blackhawks seem to trade them, whether it's Kyle Davidson or Stan Bowman in charge. It's been the case a couple of times now. We saw it with Nick Schmaltz getting traded to the Arizona Coyotes in 2018. We saw Artemi Panarin get dealt out of there and now Alex Dabrinkit. So, hey, if Patrick Kane were to waive his no movement clause or would want to waive his no movement clause to go somewhere else, I don't really think anyone in Chicago can blame him at this point. Like, look at what the organization has done to the players around him. And one thing in particular that's that was really interesting, I've referenced this on my show a handful of times in the past few months, but hearing Patrick Kane in his end of the season presser talk to the media, and he was asked about his future in Chicago as 
He was a ton of times throughout last season, and it's only going to pick up more this year. But uh, one thing he said was, if Alex DeBrinkett is here, you know, it's easier for me to see myself, you know, maybe signing on with the Blackhawks and sticking around. And, you know, he's been here his whole career. It wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world for him to take a bit of a discount, you know. But now that they've traded DeBrinkett and, you know, the full scorched earth rebuild is in effect and it's very clear that it's in effect now. I wouldn't blame Patrick Kane if he were to waive his no movement clause. So honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if either of those two um, have that conversation with Kyle Davidson and say, Hey, you know, I've given my, in my all for this team, I'm still trying to do what's best for my career here. And I know that time isn't on my side. Both players are in the thirties and they want to win They're competitors. You know, I'm sure this is a very tough situation for them to be in. So yeah, I, I do think it's pretty likely, especially if I don't think the Blackhawks are ever going to ask them personally to waive it, but I think it's become abundantly clear what the Blackhawks are trying to do at this point. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if both of them were to, but I will say Jonathan Taves at this point seems a lot more likely based on comments we've heard from him in the past few months. Yeah, that makes sense. And, uh, you know, obviously with Kane, you know, the rumors are going to run wild as far as a potential trade partner and what it would take for a team to acquire him and what the Blackhawks might be interested in. But as I alluded to a little while ago, um, you know, Ranger fans get really, really excited anytime there's, you know, a big name available and they might be somewhat connected to said player. Um, Have you heard any rumors about the Rangers? And, you know, I mean, just if we're just throwing out a hypothetical crazy trade scenario here, I mean, what would the Blackhawks be looking for? Because you know, I was on cap friendly and I mean, you guys have just stockpiled draft picks. You've got six picks in the first three rounds next year, uh, five picks in the first three rounds the year after that. So obviously, yeah, this, like you were saying, this scorched earth rebuild is in full effect here, but I mean, what do you think, uh, they would be looking for, you know, from the Rangers or, or really from anyone as far as what they w- would want to get back from Kane, like another couple of high draft picks, a couple of first rounders, uh, prospects. W- what do you think it would, would take to, uh, to make that happen? Yeah, I think I haven't seen too many rumors, honestly. Um, I'm sure once the season begins, that's only going to that's going to happen at some point. But um, I think for the Blackhawks, they have 11 picks in the next three rounds. It's really clear what they're trying to do. They're trying to build up that prospect pool and they know that um, they know at the same time that they have to get a high end pick in order for this to work, too. So they know they have a lot of picks and they want to generate depth. They want high-end picks as well, but uh, I think looking at the 2023 draft, I think they'd love to have a third round, a third first-round pick once again. If they could go back-to-back NHL drafts with three picks in the first round, especially next year, looking as deep as it's going to be, you know, that seems like something that Kyle Davidson would really want to do, if I had to guess. And then also. One thing that was really surprising to me about the Alex DeBrinkett trade was they didn't take any prospects from the Ottawa Senators pool, and they have a, a pretty deep prospect pool. So with Patrick Kane here, I think there's going to be a lot of suitors, especially because the Blackhawks should be able to eat half of his contract in order to move him, which should only help them get more on that return. Um, I, I think getting a high-end prospect would be something that they'd love to do as well. You know, draft picks are great, and they want to get a lot of those too, but you still need to hit on those picks, and they are a bit of a question mark. Getting a high-end prospect, I think, is something that Kyle Davidson would really like to have. Someone who, like I said, isn't a question mark. They know what he's done his past three years and has developed and is looking like 
he's going to be a really impact, really big impact player one day down the road. So um, I haven't, you know, seen any specific names or anything thrown around like that, but I do think getting three picks in the first round of next year's draft and getting a high end prospect, I think those would probably be the key things that Kyle Davidson would want in a return from Pat for Patrick Kane. I would imagine so as well. And uh, I definitely want to ask you, uh, we'll, we'll change gears in just a second here. I want to ask you about Ryan Carpenter because the Rangers picked him up in free agency uh, this offseason, spent parts of the last three seasons uh, in Chicago with the Blackhawks. And uh, we'll get to that in just a second. But first, uh, we got to let everybody know about Built Bar. If you haven't tried the Built Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready? Delicious, indulgent cookie dough. Covered in chocolate, that's right, Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite. Cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to Built.com to snag a box for you and the family. It will be the perfect treat, or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself. What's great about Built is that all of their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You are going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just to grab a quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built Bar. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKS15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKS15. And uh, we just want to thank everybody for making Locked On Rangers and Locked On Blackhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And uh, Jack, you know, I, I figure we'll just keep, keep it rolling right along here. I, I definitely want to ask you about Ryan Carpenter because I think uh, – uh, myself and probably a lot of Ranger fans, you know, we've heard of him. He's been in the league for long enough, but uh, not exactly a household name. And certainly it's not like a major signing, but I would imagine, you know, he'll be somebody that could fill out the fourth line for the Rangers. Uh, what can you tell us about um, Carpenter and how he fared for the two and a half years that he was there in Chicago? Yeah, Ryan Carpenter is one of those guys where if you want to compete for a Stanley Cup, he's someone you want on your fourth line. He's not, as you said, a household name, of course. Uh, but he knows that and he knows, you know, his job isn't to go out there and be doing things offensively. Hard-nosed player, plays a 200-foot game, very good in his own end, can help out on the penalty kill as well. He did that a lot for the Blackhawks. Um, <clears throat> also, something that's very valuable about him, he can play both center and the wing. And throughout his career, he's put up respectable face-off numbers and he's been comfortable out on the wing too. And you know, come playoff time and those meaningful face-offs, if someone gets kicked out, Carpenter's one of those guys who can come in and still win you that defensive zone draw to clear the puck out of your end. And you can have, never have enough of those guys when you're trying to win and compete for a Stanley Cup. Now, one thing I will say, um, of course, I already talked about how he he's not going to be known for his offense. He might chip in for three or four goals over the course of the season. One of them, though, I, I promise you, there will be one goal that Ryan Carpenter scores next year. It will be like, Carpy just top shelf. He'll do that every now and then. It's very random. I remember he had got a power play goal of all things against the Detroit Red Wings, where he just housed a one timer. And I was like, "Am I seeing this right?" He'll give you one of those every now and then. Yeah, he'll give you one of those every now and then. But don't start expecting them because they're not going to happen. Um, but I, I feel like he's not a 
guarantee to be in the lineup every night on a Stanley Cup contender, but at the same point, you can never go wrong with having those extra guys. You know, even if they're healthy scratch, you can feel comfortable on Ryan Carpenter. If he has to jump in the lineup, you know he knows what he has to do out there. He's not going to be fancy, get pucks in deep, be responsible in his own end, try to, you know, make life easier for his goaltender and get some shifts in the offensive zone. Uh, he's a good glue guy that you need down there in the bottom six. So there's nothing fancy about Ryan Carpenter's game, but I think that's the sweet part about it is he's a responsible 200 foot player, good at the dot, defensive minded shot blocker, good teammate does all those little things that, that you need out of your fourth liners if they really want to make a difference and help you win games. So it's a depth signing. I think, you know, Ryan Carpenter is a really good fit, especially because he's never going to command much on the open market and is very versatile when you have him. Yeah. I had a similar thought. I mean, considering they only got him for one year in the league minimum, I, I think you could do a lot worse than Ryan Carpenter, just based on everything that, uh, you know, I've heard about him and I've read about him. I mean, obviously, I haven't sat here and poured over like hours and hours of games <laughs> Brian Carpenter, but, but, you know, I, I think overall, you know, he, he does a nice job for this, for, you know, whatever team he's on. And like you said, kind of one of those glue guys that you need. Um, well, one thing I wanted to add too is yeah. um, I think his skill set in particular can go underrated when he's playing for a team like the Blackhawks who aren't competing because, you know, having a good fourth line on a bad team isn't going to win you many games. You know, the fourth yeah. line can't, can only do so much in their limited ice time. So maybe a lot of teams didn't see value in Carpenter, but maybe that helped out the Rangers too by getting them at a, a league minimum because I, I know the way that he can impact a game and also inside the locker room being a respected veteran who has playoff games under his belt and has been on some good teams in the past too. Um, you can't really put a price on that and those type of guys in the locker room. So what, $750,000? I think that's a very smart signing by the New York Rangers to give them a little bit more depth there on the bottom six. Yeah, I think so too. You know, they're trying to, I think they're, they have designs on him kind of playing the Kevin Rooney role because Kevin Rooney left in free agency. He's somebody that's kind of, I mean, I don't want to say an unsung hero. That might be uh, setting the bar a little too high for Kevin Rooney, but he was a solid player for the Rangers and just did all those things, you know, uh, played a physical game, killed penalties, uh, could win you a face-off every now and then, although Carpenter's a better face-off man than Rooney. And uh, again, just one of those glue guys and one of those guys who's probably a little bit underappreciated. Um, is he, when he was with the Blackhawks, exclusively on the fourth line? Was there ever a time where he might move up into the top nine or, or totally fourth liner all the way every night? Oh, the Blackhawks were so bad at the beginning of last season that Ryan Carpenter was playing like second line minutes. And okay. it was, I mean, don't, that's, that's, he shouldn't be playing second line minutes on your team. That means things have gone bad for the Rangers early on if Carpy's playing in the top six. But right. it was kind of funny because the Blackhawks had this thing all season long where going into the year, they really like made an emphasis of, trying to set up the guy in the bumper roll on the power play right out in front of the net, AKA what the Tampa Bay lightning do with Braden point um, do such a good job at getting him the puck in the middle. And it creates open lanes for everyone else on the power play. The Blackhawks really put a focus on that this year and whoever they threw in the middle, whether it was Kirby doc or Tyler Johnson or whoever it may be, it, it just wasn't working. And it got so bad that they actually put Ryan Carpenter out on the power play. It, it was ridiculous. I couldn't believe what I was seeing, but no, he's a strictly a, a maybe a third liner if you're trying to mix things up, but it, his bread and butter is going to be down there on that fourth line playing nine, 10 minutes a night, 
a lot of defensive zone starts to try and win the faceoff and get the puck out of harm's way. That's that's what he's going to be doing for the Rangers. I I fully expect that to be the case. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, I want to ask. You know, obviously, he spent two and a half years in Chicago, like we talked about. Um, did you ever get a sense for like what kind of a personality he has? I mean, is he kind of like all business? I, I get the feeling he's a little bit old school, but is he all business? Does he keep things light? How does he kind of like fit into the locker room, or how did he fit into the locker room in Chicago there? So one thing that kind of sucked about COVID was you didn't get a whole lot of locker room interviews and outside of, you know, Patrick Kane, Alex DeBrinkett, all the big name guys who are going to go get the post-game interviews and whatnot, you didn't really get to see a whole lot of the personalities and how guys really are, you know, off of the ice unless you are a household name. So sadly, that was kind of one negative of COVID. Was there a lot of guys who we really didn't get to know all that much about? And Carpy sadly was one of them. So I, I don't have too much insight for you on that one, sadly. Um, but I, I could tell you that a lot of guys respected what he did for this team for sure, especially when the team wasn't good and it's that much harder to go out there and be blocking shots and, you know, you're 30 points out of a playoff spot. The season's been over since February, but the job's still got to be done. I think a lot of teammates respected Ryan Carpenter for having that mentality and still bringing, you know, um, the same game night in and night out, no matter where the Blackhawks were at. So I think, you know, he's someone that if he does find himself in the lineup regularly for New York, what he provides, I think fans and teammates are, are really going to like Ryan Carpenter. Yeah, I think so too. You know, with Ranger fans, I, I think if you just grind hard and, and you're out there giving an honest effort every single night, they'll tend to warm up to you pretty quickly. And obviously, like we mentioned, he's making the league minimum. It's not like he's coming in with these enormous expectations. So uh, if he's just a fourth line grinder, I think Rangers will get on board uh, pretty quickly as far as, you know, becoming fans of Carpenter. Um, I also noticed, you know, we were talking about this a little bit off air, Jack, you know, uh, the Blackhawks signed Colin Blackwell, who spent one season with the New York Rangers and has kind of bounced around since then. But uh, any questions for me about Blackwell and any, any intel that you're looking for there? Yeah, for sure. I just kind of wanted to know a little bit more about his game because um, wasn't someone who I thought the Blackhawks were going to be going after. And I was especially surprised to see them give him a two-year contract. Like they bring in Andreas Athanasiu and Max Domi on one-year deals. Seems like good spots to bring them in, you know, give them a big opportunity with the roster extremely thin at this point. Both those guys will probably be playing inside the Blackhawks top six. If they do well, then you can go and trade them at the deadline and get something in return for them. They're on expiring deals. Um, Blackwell, though, randomly was the only one who got a two-year deal, and I was kind of like, I don't know why they did that. I know it's only for a million dollars per year, so it's not like that's going to hinder uh, other teams from like trying to get him at the deadline. It's a very cheap deal, but um, I, I was curious as to like, what do you think when you saw him in New York? I know it was only like a, a 50 game stretch or something like that, but from what I've seen um, when he played with Seattle this past year, I, I've gotten the sense that he's kind of someone who could play third line bottom six minutes, but also can provide a little bit of a goal scoring touch too. Uh, what, what kind of was your takeaway on Colin Blackwell and his short time with the Rangers organization? Yeah, I mean, Blackwell did a nice job. You know, he's one of those guys, when he when he's first signed in the offseason, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I had barely heard of him. Uh, I believe to that point in his career, he had only played about 33 NHL games, and he was 27 years old. So, I mean, at that point, you're getting to the area where you're kind of facing pretty long odds to even become an NHL regular. And I, I think it's really cool, and it's one of the neat things about sports when somebody uh, defies those odds 
and ends up doing exactly that. And as we've seen, you know, there's been times where he's been a healthy scratch, uh, both with the Rangers, as well as Seattle, as well as Toronto. Uh, but for the most part, he tends to stick in the lineup. And I, I thought he did a nice job. He got uh, just a tremendous opportunity. And again, this, this kind of goes back to why sports are awesome. I mean, this guy is a complete afterthought in the NHL for pretty much his whole career. And the next thing you know, gets a chance with the Rangers. He starts on the fourth line, gets off to a good start, gets a couple points early in his Ranger tenure. Next thing you know, man, he's playing out there with Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strom on the second line and doing a good job, like, you know, keeping up with these guys. Uh, he has good speed, uh, pretty good passer. And uh, yeah, just, just a solid, uh, you know, stretch of play for the New York Rangers. And then, of course, you know, the Seattle Kraken were coming into the league. You had the expansion draft, and the Rangers had a tough decision to make. They had one forward they had to decide to protect between either Blackwell or Kevin Rooney or Julian Gauthier. Uh, they chose to protect Rooney, and the Kraken took Blackwell, which was unfortunate, but everybody's got to lose somebody, right? So, um, yeah, in, in the short time that he was there, I thought he fit in pretty well with the locker room. Uh, like I said, seemed not like he was out of place while playing with Panarin and Strom. And, you know, I wonder, like, I mean, this guy's been scratching and clawing to just get into the NHL and stay there. I mean, it, it gets to a point where you're almost playing with house money in a situation like that. And I, I think that kind of showed he just kind of enjoyed himself, had some fun. And uh, like I said, did a nice job. Faded a little bit down the stretch that season, but uh, produced at a much higher clip than I, I think any Ranger fan could have ever anticipated that season. Yeah, and in addition to him kind of being able to put up some numbers and also like play up and down the lineup, one thing that stuck out to me whenever I saw him play for the Kraken was, like you said, he has good speed, and I also thought he was very tenacious, like... Maybe it was just, again, I only watched him for a couple of games and maybe they were some of his better games, but it seemed like he was someone who always brought good energy, good physicality, good speed. And the Blackhawks really don't have a ton of that up and down their lineup. And as you're trying to bring these kids up the next few years, you're going to need players to protect them and also, you know, kind of teach them how to do things the right way, how to have that good motor, good work ethic, good drive day in and day out. And I noticed that about Colin Blackwell whenever the Hawks took on the Kraken this year too. So I think there were a couple of things that caught the Blackhawks front office's eye this year and um, led to them giving, giving him a two-year contract. I'm interested to see how that's going to play out. Kind of similar to like an Andreas Athanasiu case for the Hawks where you already referenced the term free money. That's kind of how I look at the Blackhawks signings this offseason because I think they all they have the intention to trade all of them at some point. I don't think they brought in any of these guys to be future players, especially if you're trading away a 24-year-old Alex Debrinkit. You're not going to be enticed by a 28-year-old Andreas Athanasiu or a 29-year-old Colin Blackwell or whatever. But I think these players could also have an impact on the rebuild just because how they go about their business and the type of way that they play the game. because. Not every prospect in the Blackhawks organization is going to be an offensive wizard and is going to be lighting it in, night in, and lighting it up, night in and night out. Other guys are going to have to find different ways to impact the game. And I think you look at someone like Colin Blackwell and you realize, you know, you can affect the game in many different ways instead of just putting the puck in the back of the net, you know. And there's different spots for different people on different rosters. And I think that that's something that um, Blackwell could – you know, while he's probably not going to be part of the future here in the Blackhawks, I think that's something that in his short time here, as I expect that he can kind of pass on uh, to the rest of the prospects. So all in all, I thought it was an interesting signing though. And, and uh, a good spot for the Blackhawks to be in, to bring, bring in a few players like that. And, you know, worst case scenario, you trade them at the deadline. It's, it's all going to be a win for the Blackhawks at the end of the day. 
I would agree with that. You know, you mentioned the energy, and that's something that I, I wish I had brought up first. I'm glad you did, Jack. Uh, yeah, Colin Blackwell brings the energy every single night. I think he's somebody that kind of set a tone. And, you know, you look at him, he's not the biggest guy out there, so you wouldn't really think that he would be a fourth liner. But, you know, he did spend some time on the fourth line with the Rangers, and I thought he can play that role pretty well. You know, I mean, he's, again, not the biggest guy, but he will mix it up a little bit. Uh, he'll go in hard on the four check. He will, you know, play somewhat physical. And uh, again, you know, I, I think he's one of those guys that, and I mentioned this when he was here, you know, he can move up and down the lineup pretty seamlessly and he never feels like too far out of place. I mean, I would think he's more of a bottom sixer than a top sixer, but if you're in a pinch, you need to put him on the, like the right wing on the second line. I think he can do just fine there. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what he's got to offer because uh, I've only seen him play a few times and I've, like what I've seen so far. So I'm interested to see if he's someone that Blackhawks fans could potentially uh, have an inkling to once the season begins. Um, but one other question I had for you, John, before we wrap things up, I wanted to get your thoughts on this because as I was watching the Stanley Cup playoffs as my Blackhawks weren't anywhere close to sniffing it, um, when watching the New York Rangers, man, I really like the Rangers this year. I, I thought they they had a really good team and we're on a spot to put together a good run. And obviously Artemi Panarin, someone who I got to watch years back and watch him step onto the scene in the NHL. Um, but watching him in the playoffs, man, I felt he was playing timid and I wanted to know if you thought the same way, like how did you think Artemi Panarin played this postseason? Because Mika Zibanejad killed it. Chris Kreider killed it. Artemi Panarin, I didn't think he had that great of a postseason. And for what the Rangers are paying him, I just thought he needed to be a little bit better. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on that before we wrap up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a fair point to make. I would definitely agree with you. I thought uh, for sure, you know, to your point, Mika Zibanejad, I think was the Rangers' uh, best and most consistent forward uh, throughout the entire playoff run. Kreider was a little bit hot and cold. You know, there were, there were games where it looked like he could dominate. And then there were other games where, you know, he just didn't really do a whole lot. Wasn't really all that visible. Uh, Panarin, yeah, I mean... I don't know if timid's the right word or if it's just like trying to do too much. There were a couple of times where, you know, he would just throw like a no look backhand pass toward the center of the ice and it would just get intercepted and then being skate away the other way. Um, yeah, man, he just um, he didn't shoot the puck as much as I thought he could have or, or probably should have. The one thing I will say in his defense, though, is that, you know, that might have been our Temi Panarin at his worst, you know, that we've seen him on the New York Rangers. And, you know, granted, that's the worst time to ever have that happen is in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But our Timmy Panarin at his absolute worst in the playoffs, and I realize there's more to hockey than just points, 16 points in 20 games. That's his floor. And it is just one lackluster playoff run. And we've seen him do well in the playoffs in the past. I, I believe with the Blackhawks, he did all right. And uh, the one year that, you know, the Blue Jackets beat the Lightning in the first round and made it to the second round. He had a nice run there for himself as well. He pretty much took over that series against Tampa. So I think he's got it in him. I just, and the other thing, I think Vincent Trocek will help him a lot. That's something that the Rangers picked up. I think they'll be line mates. Uh, you know, Panarin was playing with Strom and a great tandem in the regular season, but neither one of them is really going to do the dirty work. And I think Vincent Trocek will. He'll dig some pucks out of the corner and all that good stuff. And I, I think if the Rangers, you know, are, are fortunate enough to get back to the playoffs this season and, uh, make a, make another run at it. I, I think you'll see Panarin play better uh, than he did this past year. I, he almost has to, I, I would say. Yeah, that's definitely a fair point. I mean, 16 points in 20 games, if that's the worst case, Artemi Panarin, you're right. in a good spot. But uh, yeah, there were just times where I was just like, damn, him and Strom are so quiet right now. And maybe that was part of Ryan Strom too, I'm sure. You know, we, we could be saying, giving him the same critiques. Um, but it just felt like, you know, 
at least in my mind, and again, I'm watching as an outsider, you would know better than I would how Artemi Panarin truly played for the Rangers this postseason, but it just seemed like it was always Zabinijad who was the one that was coming through. And I, I know, you know, he's a big key role player and leader there as well, but like, he just really overshadowed Artemi Panarin to me, and I was curious if you felt the same way. Yeah, in the playoffs, I think for sure. And I actually said this during the regular season, and it's not something that I said lightly. Uh, when you're teammates with Artemi Panarin, who's you know probably a top 10 player in the league, and teammates with Chris Kreider, who's scoring 52 goals, I said I, I think that the most consistently excellent all-around Ranger forward is Mika Zibanejad, especially when you factor in uh, his defense. He plays in all three zones, all that good stuff. And uh, like you said, Jack, I do think he was the, the Rangers' best forward in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, good times here, man. Uh, it's, it's great talking some hockey with you. Uh, getting to know Ryan Carpenter a little bit, giving you some intel on uh, Colin Blackwell there, and of course, talking about Patrick Kane. Uh, Jack, where can uh, all the uh, Locked On New York Ranger listeners find you and your show? Yeah, for sure. If you want to check out Locked On Blackhawks, you can check it out wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey. It's all 100% for free. Uh, if you want to check out some of the social media accounts, you can look up at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks on Twitter. Uh, for my personal account, you can check me out at Jack Bushman 2 where I'll be tweeting about a bunch of different Chicago sports and also golf. Uh, it's kind of that dead time of the summer, so you'll probably find me tweeting about a bunch of different things. But uh, if you want some more insight on the Blackhawks and all that stuff, you can find me there. All right, sounds good. And uh, Ranger fans and Blackhawk fans, thank you guys for tuning in. And thank you for making Lockdown Rangers and Lockdown Blackhawks your first listens every day. Now make your second listen, Lockdown NHL. Locked on experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked on NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. And again, thank you everyone for tuning in. And uh, for Jack and myself, we will see you guys next time.